Pod, 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 pod. Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Gertie are with me as usual. We'll be paying tribute to the man who's racked up 100 premiership tries, discussing Ollie Woodburn's controversial red card and looking at Jacques Nienaber's move to Leinster. So settle back, enjoy and make sure you're subscribed on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, Tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. How's your week been, lads? How was the wedding? Oh, the wedding was good, Andy wrote. I love weddings. Love, laughter, denial about your real life. No. Big shout out to Rebecca, my lovely, beautiful wife, sister, Amy, and her Irish young gentleman, Eoggin, also known in England and Scotland as Owen. Lovely weekend of love and wedding. So it was great to see the family. What do they say, Andrew? It takes a village to raise children, right? Is it something like that? How much easier when there's people about looking after your kids? That's what I'm saying. There was a village of people at the wedding looking after my kids. That's all I know. So for the people at the wedding, and some of them do listen to the podcast, they didn't at the start of the wedding, but once they had a few beers, they all admitted that they're secret listeners, uh, including Beck's sister. But no, big shout out to Amy and Owen on their wedding day. And thank you to everyone who looked after my children for the whole day. I didn't even see them, even though I was, I was meant to be looking after them because Beck was bridesmaid. Jim, it's amazing. We've been doing this podcast now for seven years. I've had a nanny for seven years and you've just finally realised that when other people look after your kids, it's easier. <laughs> You've not been listening to me for seven years, or I not? I have, I have. But when I heard that term used around a village, or the analogy used, I was thinking village people. I didn't know what they were thinking, I didn't know what they meant. But yeah, we actually had the discussion. I just can't go there yet. I'm looking at Porsches as well. Like I can't like, Really? I know, who is this guy? I'm Not that I can buy a Porsche or I'm going to buy a Porsche, but I can't be thinking Porsche nannies like it's not me like man of the people give it the porsche get a nanny mate i'll tell you that for free no not i'm not ready yet i'm not ready for that yet much easier way of life have someone take the stress of your children away and look after them when you need to work and you don't have a porsche that's a that's a better life decision for you james talking of life decisions andrew we'll come on to you being in dubai me and andy Rowe were having a discussion off air in the green room and I, th- I said, look, mate, you need to share this with the millions because <laughs> not that I'm going through a midlife crisis thinking about these things, but Andy Rowe is going through a life experience that he's happy to share. Andy Rowe, 
Shall I set the scene or do you want to go straight in? You can set the scene. I didn't know I was going to be sharing it in, in big detail, but go on. But you were happy to. So, Andrew, I know that you're in Dubai, so you're away from all the drama and the hysteria. So basically, if we're doing it in black and white and speaking frankly, Andy Rowe has put his willy in a plastic pot. <laughs> <laughs> and he's produced what is known in the doctor's world and the medical world as a specimen. And he rang me before to ask me about, like, What's it like? Because I've been, I know that you've been. And then Andy Rowe, over to you, I gave you some mm. life tools, but also some life wisdom of what to expect. Yeah, you, re- you really did. I didn't know what the protocol was. So how long do you take? Just don't touch the magazines, mate. Just think about how many blokes have touched those magazines. Yeah. In this day and age with your phone, that's all it's about. But Andrew, this is the thing. I want you to listen to Andy Rowe because I said similar. Like I had a touch screen on mine. There was magazines. Ugh. I don't want to be horrible to... Andy Rowe, he hasn't gone down the Arley Street route, okay, talking about midlife crisis. <laughs> he has gone absolute mongrel mob. Andy Rowe, keep going. So I give Jim a ring. I'm like, mate, what's the, what's the go? Like, what do, I, what do I do? How long do I take? And he's like, mate, take your time. Enjoy it. If there's weapons there, use them. <laughs> what? First and foremost, you phoned Jim Hamilton for advice on going into a clinic to knock one out to see how good your sperm are. Just think about that sentence there. You've asked Jim Hamilton advice on that it's a life moment he came to me andrew because he knows that i'm a man of life and a man of wisdom and i advised him to take your time use the tools what tools weapons is weapons what it wasn't tools andrew they were weapons <laughs> even worse it depends what you either bring with you and he was like he came out of it he's like man, i didn't see any weapons you did because we went through that, that long toilet roll holder thing where you put your own bedding in <laughs> i went into this room and there was literally a bed with a plastic mattress and then sign saying, please clean up after yourself. And a brown paper tube about a metre long. There you go. That's the weapon. <laughs> what am I going to do with that? A brown paper tube. Jeez. Now, like, please, please put the brown paper along the mattress before you use it and clean up after yourself. Well, that's, yeah, but that's the aftermath, isn't it? You don't ever think about the aftermath. You think about get yourself in there, get comfortable surroundings, like Beck said to me. There'll be some material sent your way on WhatsApp. I'm like, no, I don't need that. It's in my mind, a.k.a. the touchscreen on TV where it says Dave on Dave and then that one. I didn't have that. I didn't have that. I walk in, I, the mattress is there. I was looking for the TV screen. I was looking for the magazines. There was nothing. So was, you didn't have Dave on Dave on screen? I had no Dave on Dave, no Dave on Steve, no Steve on Dave. And all I had was my phone, but no Wi-Fi. Oh, no Wi-Fi. That's tough. I've done it in Harley Street and uh, you have Wi-Fi there. You have all the tools, all the tools, but you just need yourself, your phone, and your mind. How many pots did you fill up? <laughs> <laughs> I was three, Andrew. You? <laughs> just the one. Just the one full one. How is it in Dubai at the moment, mate? How's the sunburn? Mate, sunburn is strong, actually. I can't complain, lads. I really can't. We've been out here for 10 days now. We are having the most unbelievable holiday we've ever had, to be honest. Massive shout out to everyone at Caesars Palace. In Dubai, unbelievable hotel. He does ours, snowy, rainy, England, not the best. Mate, it's all right. Yeah, well, I say that. I've been in Coventry. It's a shithole, so no. <laughs> I've lied. I've lied. The wedding weren't there, though. It was outside of Cov. Well, if you sell a few more Moreland Brawls, mate, you might be able to book yourself another trip to Dubai. Oh, exactly. Moreland Brawl. Andrew, you've not had yours yet, or not? I'm still waiting for Moreland Brawl, Right, mate. I've got some here at the Spotify studio. I'm going to leave some here, so I know that it's there. But yeah, it's gone down a storm. Man of the people. It's for the people. Someone said to me at the weekend, smell a million dollars. I said, I don't want to smell a million dollars. I want to smell like dark honey and tobacco. And that's the morning goo. That's the morning brawl. 
And for all our listeners, where did that smell originate from, James? Where did you first go, oh, I like that smell? What is it? It, it was on you. Yeah, exactly. After you'd eaten some pancakes with honey on and you smoked your cigarettes <laughs> i was like there is something there that smell there Matt, i should have you should have copyrighted it right there you should have said you can't have pancake honey and tobacco as a name yeah i'll wait for my royalties james you can get a 10 percent off deal at the moment use the code rugbypod where can you buy it from morelandbrawl.com andy rose more yeah we got we've got the website we've got everything so absolutely buzzing thank you to everyone who's already branched out rebecca is loving the distribution part to it, which is a family-run business. That's the authenticity. Beck's like, oh gosh, we've got a load of more orders. Yes, we have. Here's some more and brawl, Beck, for men that maul and women that brawl. You should get her to package some up and send some to Ashy as a wee, well done, mate. 100 tries. 101 tries, to be precise, Andy Rowe. Bit of a fairy tale for him after announcing his retirement at the start of the week as well. Considering, Andrew, we thought he was going to go to Doncaster, you think, was it? Well, yeah, hold on, whoa, whoa, whoa. You said we. You liked the tweet, though, so that means that you agreed. <laughs> True. I was actually at Leicester a couple of weeks ago, and Ashley's not been seen for weeks in the team, has he? And this is classic Chris Ashton. He's not been seen in the team for weeks. And I'm having a moan saying, where's Ashley? He should be in the Andy Good suite pre-match doing a Q&A with me, because it'd be good fun, right? Because he's a, he's a proper top bloke. And then all of a sudden, he just pops up, and boom. He's back in the team. He's announced his retirement, and he scores three tries. How good. You look at what he's done, we've given him a bit of stick. He's the lovable rogue. He's a guy that me and Goody deep down absolutely adore. What he's done for the game, it's been mixed with flashes of brilliance, drama, uh, hysteria, emotion. Did I ever see him doing it in a Leicester Tigers jersey? Absolutely not. I didn't see that. You think about where he's come from, Northampton, before that rugby league. En route to that, he's been to Saracens, then to France then to Harlequins, then to Sale, then to Worcester. Like He's done the rounds to end up at one of the best clubs and break it there. It's got a, a hint of irony, I'd say, around it. But deep down, genuinely, I'm absolutely pumped for him. I think the way in which he did it, the team in which he did it against, the celebrations that we saw, we got a bit of everything, didn't we? Apart from the ash splash. This is the thing, I messaged him Sunday night after the game to say congratulations. It's a hell of an achievement. He's a cracking bloke and anyone that comes into contact with him knows that. He actually said to me, I interviewed him at Twickenham pre-match for an England game and he said out live that if he gets to his 100th try, he will do the ash splash. So he didn't do it. He said people keep chasing him to the try line so he doesn't want to have egg on his face. But what an achievement. Absolute legend of the game. I'm going to call him out on one other thing though as well because we do love Ashy. And Jim, you've spent a lot of time with Ashy. Did you see his interview post-match? Mate, I literally buried him after. So I said, yes, really good. Yes, I'm really happy to be here. And everything that we do about this is, is all about the game. It's about the people that were here. And I'm just really, really happy. He said the biggest thing you remember and take from all his experience is the rugby community. That is so not Chris Ashton whatsoever, is it? Oh, Ashy. <laughs> the hashtag rugby family. That I sent him a voice note just repeating everything that he said. Rugby family. And it's great. And it is true. But he doesn't. He's never cared about it, has he? The rugby community. He's cared about scoring tries and abusing people like Jim Hamilton. What did he used to come in every day and say to you and he boot the door down at Sarries? You mounted piece of shit. That's what he used to say. <laughs> <laughs> he was an honest man. I just hope after he's got something sorted because this is one of the things that we spoke about. You know, Goody, like we're, and we were pretty switched on to what our limitations were and we did taste glory. But I always find it when I look at players like Ashy, who have a career like that mixed in with drama, 
but also the big, big highs of scoring tries, the ash splash, like these iconic things he's brought out a book. <laughs> Splashdown! <laughs> Shit splash, he's brought out a book. <laughs> How do you replicate these things after? So I hope that in retirement that he finds some peace. Maybe the fact that getting the opportunity at Leicester, playing in the final, win the Premiership last year, getting that last chance saloon, which it was for him, and for him to end his career, you never know where it's going to go for Leicester this season. You know, they're back in the top four. Genuinely, I sent him a little bit of stick, but deep down, I'm really happy for him and, and how it has ended and will still potentially end winning something. Where would he rate, do you think, as not only a premiership winger, but an England winger? Two very different things. For me, without a shadow of a doubt, and his record speaks for itself, 101 tries, top try scorer ever in the Prem. He is the best league and European winger in terms of club rugby there's ever been. He's top try scorer in the Champions Cup. He's top try scorer in the Premiership. And those things don't happen by luck. You know, that is graft. That is him. The talent that he's got, his understanding of the game, how he plays the game. And so you, you doff your hat and tip your slipper and all that stuff to him for that. Like the, the records are phenomenal. And I hope his 101 tries, and maybe he'll add some more to it over the next week. Uh, obviously, there's a bye week this week for Leicester, but there's Quinns and then hopefully a semi-final and a final. You hope he adds more to it. I hope that record never gets broken because that's how good he's been at every club he's played at. You know, he, he has scored tries at every club he's played at. You know, he had a rough time coming back from France. He's, he holds a record in France for the most tries scored in one single season as well. So, you know, in, in club rugby, undisputably the best ever winger to have graced the game week to week to week, I think, in terms of try scorers and what he's bought. On an England perspective, it's slightly different because his England career, you know, there wasn't huge success in terms of World Cup wins. Yes, he won the Six Nations titles and stuff like that. But when you're looking at it, he's got a very good try scoring record. He missed a lot of England games through bands that he's had. And when you're talking about England's purely international wingers, you're talking about the best wingers ever. I think the top try scorer is Rory Underwood. And you look at that, you think back to when Rory played, they're playing twice as many games now as the teams used to back in his day. But then England's best two wingers, you can probably look at from an international perspective as Ben Cohen and Jason Robinson, probably. And they've scored a hell of a lot of tries as well. So uh, club rugby, without a shadow of a doubt, he's the best by far. International rugby is pretty good, but he's not at that higher echelon of you know World Cup winners, top try scorers for England, I think. And the Tigers overall look like they're timing their run perfectly in the premiership, don't they? Yeah. Great to see. They're up to third in the league now. Like Goody said, they've got a bye week and then they've got the game against Harlequins. Harlequins are now out of the running. But you look at Leicester with everything that's happened this season, the change of coaches, it's actually quite crazy to think what they've been through as a club. You look at Richard Wigglesworth and Alad Walters, the two guys that are running the show at Leicester now, leaving at the end of the season. So actually, with all the disruption, it's been a good season for them and again losing Ellis Genge at the end of last season George Ford as well so somehow they've managed I didn't think they'd make the top four after the changes were made it shows you how good Richard Wigglesworth is shows the culture that has been embedded into that team and they're making a real run for it like absolutely are I think personally myself Goody I've got mates there best mates coaches it'd be awesome to see them replicate what they did last year and all the emotion around that. We spoke about Freddie Burns. We had him on because 
I think it's going to be difficult for them again next season. I don't know. The Premiership's very weird. It's changed so much this year. So next year is hard to call. But I think it's credit to them and the club with everything that they've done with all the changes. But right time of the season, business end of the season, they're making a run for it. Yeah, it's amazing. A week in sport is a long time, right? So you think back to last week, they got a spanking over in Leinster, took 50 over there. Exeter, who they obviously played against on Sunday, beat the Stormers to go into Champions Cup semi-finals last weekend, get 60 points put on them this weekend by Leicester. So we've said it a lot, haven't we, Jim, around you want to do well and be successful, get a load of Saffers in, bring some Saffers. Jasper Visa was ridiculously good at the weekend. Andre Pollard said it all season, you know, just wait to see how good he is. He is now playing unbelievably well. You, know, you, you think about the first break that he makes, then puts the kick through, which actually I felt really bad because when you see the kick go through and you think Ashy's there and the bounce of the ball just goes away from him, doesn't it? And it goes to Dan Kelly and he scores. He was unbelievable. Liebenberg as well, who's skippering the team a lot. He was fantastic and he's great. So there's three strong South Africans there in sort of positions you need. And then you've got Montoya at hooker, who's skippering the team at the minute as well. Unbelievable. You put that in with Freddie Stewart and Jack Van Portfleet. A lot of the other boys, Dan Kelly back to fitness. And then you got Ashley on the wing scoring tries. Anthony Watson was ridiculously good. I know he's more than likely leaving at the end of the year. Leicester will always be there and thereabouts now with the foundations that they've got and the squad that they've got at the minute. And you talk about timing. A lot of people said on Friday night that Sale was starting to time things really well with that victory over Bristol. I think Austin Healy said that Sale are now favourites to win the Prem, probably off the back of what happened to Saracens over at La Rochelle and the injuries they picked up. But the actual top four now is getting really exciting because Leicester are great. They're coming to some good form. Sale are on form. We'll chat about them in a minute. Saracens, you know, they've always got world-class players that will be fighting for the title as well. So it's a really intriguing mix. And realistically, there's only one position left in the playoffs to be made. You know, Northampton are sitting there at the minute. London Irish will have something to say about it. Quinns aren't fully out of it themselves. They could still make it by the skin of their teeth. But yeah, I mean, top three teams are really good and it's going to be an exciting end to the season. It will come down to the top two. I know, again, just for the listeners, the casual fans, getting that home semi-final. So Sale have got Gloucester away, who, my goodness me, are struggling at the minute with injuries mainly. You look at look at the state of their squad, it's mental. So that top two... And that just shows you how far Leicester have come over the last few weeks because they've got themselves up to the third two points in it, but Sale have got a game in hand. Leicester will play Sale away in the semis and you can see Leicester winning it. I can see Sale winning it. The hard one to call that. Whereas mm. Sarri's at home to either Irish or Northampton. Well, actually, they're two bogey teams to Saracens. Yeah, they're two bogey teams. London Irish are the bogey team. Saints should have beaten Saris this year as well. They were something like 15 points up, weren't they? Mm. With not long left. So it, it'd be really interesting. I expect Saracens to make the final. Although that's not a given with those two teams that are going to come up against. And then, come on, Leicester. And what a finish again. Imagine Ashley plays in the final. The only club he's never scored against in the Prem. Saracens. Yeah. Never scored a try against Saracens. When he was at Saints, when he was been at Leicester, when he was at Harlequins, Sale, Worcester. Imagine that's a story as well, isn't it? Well, I think the story that's going to fit him is the fact that you get sent off in the game. <laughs> that's... Why are you being horrible? This is time. I'm being honest. That, <laughs> yeah. You see yeah. it like that, the romance in you. Yeah. I see the other side that he's probably going to get sent off in the final <laughs> and walk off holding two fingers up saying, buy me book for 25p. <laughs> <laughs> you fuckers. <laughs> Let's talk about Ollie Woodburn. Oh, gosh. Do you not want to do this on social media? That's where everyone else is doing. I just refuse to talk about it now. Not because it's corporate James, just because I can't go there. Well, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, should we set the scene a little bit? Because yeah, 
again, like the irony in what happened at the weekend to Exeter, and we did kind of paper over what happened. They had 62 points put on them, 62. Like, that's a lot of points. So in the lead up to that, there's all this talk around the red cards. We know extra have been stung. Well, a lot of teams have been stung on the red cards. So Rob Baxter, the irony in this, did an article with the Times, and I'll just quote a few things about it, but he, he spoke about the need to reduce high frequency of red cards. We're doing some weird things in rugby. Other sports don't. You have to make adaptations, but what you don't do is destroy the game on the field. So Rob Baxter did that interview last week, yep. and then you look at what happened at the weekend with Ollie Woodburn's red card. I understand why it is a red card because it's two yellows, isn't it? Well, yeah, it's a penalty. First one is a blatant yellow card, and not the slap down. Yeah, gone at it with one hand, and I love the way he then tries to put his other hand up after he's realised he slapped it down. So he's pretend he's gone up with two. So you can't argue about the first yellow card. It is a slap down, straight yellow. That one there, if if Carl Dixon sees that as a penalty, then it's a penalty try because he would have scored a try if it wasn't an infringement of penalty. Therefore, if it's a penalty try, it's an automatic yellow card and red card. So that's the framework around that. Then the debate comes whether or not it's even a penalty because really players could dive from eight metres out if it's not a rubber pitch, if it's a grass wet pitch, and there's no way of tackling him. And that's the argument and the debate around it. Do you want to ask me what I think if it's a yellow card? Go on. No. <laughs> I don't think it's a penalty. So that's my opinion. But I commentated on a URC game last year, an Ulster game, I think it was. Your tweet was brought up, wasn't it, James? Well, yeah, I think it might have been Glasgow Ulster. So there's another scenario in that game as well where there was a yellow card penalty try, similar action, which I didn't think should have been. And this is the thing at the minute where I understand what Rob Baxter's saying, like you're cannibalising your game. That's me saying that, not Rob. But I understand that because effectively, 62 points. And you could say that you know, Ollie Woodburn's one of their best players, if not their best player on the wing and the effect that that had on it. But again, I understand if the referees are being told that that is an illegal action. Well, as Michael Holford used to say, rules is rules, Jim. Rules is rules. I look at it and I watched it back and I thought, what's he looking for here? And then as he explains it, Carl Dixon is 100% right in the definition of the law. But the interesting thing about Carl Dixon is if you rewind your mind back earlier in the season when Harlequins played Bristol at home, and there was the whole thing about the Joe Marler incident, do you remember that one? Carl Dixon was refereeing it. He didn't hear it. Yeah, exactly. But Andre Esterhazen makes a break with a minute to go. He's clean through. He gets tap-tackled by AJ McGinty. He's sliding after the tap-tackle. And the Bristol reserve scrum half, who I think it was Whiteley at the time, ex-Saracen scrum half, comes and dives on top of him, dislodges the ball, right? The ball spills. Carl Dixon's referee, in the same season as this season, calls it a knock-on. Doesn't give the same law interpretation that he gave against Ollie Woodburn. So that's where people have got issues, right? Where one week you can see it and it's play on. Next week you can see it and Carl Dixon gives a yellow card and then a red card and a penalty try. And you can understand everything. I can understand why you wouldn't want to give a yellow card and a penalty try. You could argue that Stuart Hogg was going to take him in such anyway, but the fact that he's added into it, and maybe in the back of Carl Dixon's mind is someone's brought up the incident earlier in the season with that Quinns-Bristol game at the stoop. He's an ex-Quinns player, and people are pointing the finger at him a little bit for not going hard on Marla or saying he didn't hear it. But actually, game decided moment when Esther Hazen's broken through and go back into the archives and watch it. I think it's Whiteley that comes and jumps on him on the floor, dislodges the ball, and Carl Dixon gives it a knock on 
to Bristol against Andreas Hayes and Bristol win the game. So I think that was something that was played on his mind a bit from decisions. And referees remember decisions that they think they've got wrong and they've been analysed. And I think that's that's played a part into why Woodburn got sent off. And, you know, it is crazy, but it is the law. And I, I think the law needs to be tweaked around it to say that if there's foul play involved in it, so if it's a high tackle or you're over the shoulder or you know, you're not using your arms, you know, that sort of thing, then you can yellow card it. But there, there might need to be a tweak in the law for it. But in his defence, Carl Dixon, and I don't like defending Carl Dixon, he was actually letter of the law. He was right to do it. Whether it feels right, looks right or not, these is the rules, unfortunately. And I think where Corporate James can come in and help is tweak some of the laws, James. For World Rugby. I don't think I've got any pull oh or push oh on any of them. But with that one specifically, it's because of the distance where it looks like something's happened. But again, just back to all the rugby that we watch, like you see players diving at players on the floor when they're over the try line to stop the ball being grounded. Mm. So there's no real difference if they're saying that you can't do that. Yeah. And these are the small things in rugby, which are the big things, which from, a again, I keep talking about casual fans, corporate James engaging the wider audience. But if that try-saving tackle is not given, everyone's talking about how good the tackle is. I don't think there's many people saying that should have been a yellow card, a penalty try, and off the back of that, Woodburn sent off. And I think that that's what we need to be thinking is what, yes, there's laws and rules, and it is a very superficial statement to make, but if most people are thinking, right, that isn't, then in your mind, you've got to be, not him, not Carl Dixon now, because by the letter of the law, he's done what he thinks is and potentially is, whether or not I agree or not. But I just think there needs to be open ears listening to how we can try and improve that area. Because again, you go back to the game, don't want to use the terminology dead, but once he goes off, well, it's a 62-point game and it's effectively ruined the spectacle. And talking about Rob Baxter, though, fair play to him. What he did say after the game was the result of Ollie Woodburn getting that yellow card and then red card and penalty try was initially down to a break from number eight from Jasper Visa, and he's just gone straight through Joe Simmons at ten. Joe Simmons already even took, lays a finger on him. I mean, who would? Yeah, I know. <laughs> I mean, so you're you're basically saying Joe Simmons has caused sixty-two points to be put on Exeter. I'm saying Rob Baxter said that it's their errors that, <laughs> <laughs> that led it to. He it. loves calling out his players, don't he? he does, Rob? Yeah, yeah. And, and that it's true though. You look at cause and effect. The cause of the red card effectively was because they missed a tackle on the halfway line, which led to the break. You make that tackle, it doesn't happen, right? And that's what you're saying. But you've shared it with a million, so <laughs> no one no one heard Rob say that really yeah. until now. I think there is more to be said about the laws and the interpretation of the laws because there does seem to be a growing frustration everywhere with the game and how those are applied and how a lot of games are being ruined because of red cards and the framework and whatever it is. But the viewers at home are the ones also suffering. And I know we need to make the game safer, but that's kind of what we always fall back on. There doesn't seem to be any grey area where people can make up their own minds. Oh. You, know? you say that. Uh, and I agree with your sentiment, Andy Rowe, but take Exeter, for example, and I think this is where Rob Baxter was going. Exeter played, I commentated on the game two weeks ago, Exeter against Montpellier at Exeter. Zach Mercer gets sent off for a red card that probably should never have been a red card. It should have only been a yellow. But Montpellier nearly beat Exeter. They kick a penalty with the last kick of the game to draw it level to take it to extra time. So it can. it's not always a foregone conclusion that teams take 60 points. It's how you react to it as a team. And I'm sure we've all been there. I remember commentating on a top 14 final years ago on Sky where one of the French teams had their scrum half sent off and ended up winning the top 14 final with 14 men. So, you know, it is 
possible to find it within yourself to win a game, still down to 14. It's not always a foregone conclusion, but you're right. We need to look at it. And you're looking at a, a red card that in most people's eyes is ridiculous because it's two yellows. Then you compare that to something else like your boy at Sarri's gym, Duncan Taylor, who got red card at the weekend, which is a straight red and deserves a big ban, I think, for what happened. We need to change that behaviour more than the little nuances, I think. I think red cards, regardless of how they look, whether or not they're two yellows, anything that is accidental or... I mean, what's an accident? You, you could say anything. But I just think anything that is marginal... And not talk, foul play. ...is not foul play should not be a red card. And we go back to the Freddie Stewart one. Like, again, old ground, but that's ruined the game. Like, Yako Pieper comes out, has made a mistake, or the fact that it's been rescinded, but it doesn't matter. We're going into a World Cup now. I think if you punch someone, if you headbutt someone, if you fly out of the line and absolutely monster someone upright, they're red cards. The ones that are completely undeniable, where everyone's looking at it and, yeah, that's a red card. I think... The grey area needs to go now. And this is where there's talk of this orange card like they're doing in the Southern Hemisphere where they can give a yellow card, then they can review it in the bunker and then upgrade it to a red card. I get what Goody's saying. I remember playing for Saracens against Gloucester. Scott Brits gets red card and we go on to beat them and we're all doing tiki-tonga because we're loving life because of how hard the game was. But on a, a really high level, when we go into the World Cup, we know... Generally, I don't know what the stats are. We can maybe look at it. But if there's a red card, the likelihood is you're going to lose that game. And if that is based on two inches of a tackle at 0.4 second change of direction, I just don't want to see that as a red card. I, I, I want to see that as a rugby incident. And then if they ban him later down the line or something happens, I just don't want to see them as red cards. I just don't think it marries up. So on that, Jim, I understand your point. Take Duncan Taylor's one from the weekend where some people would say he's unlucky to get a red card because it's an accidental head-on-head collision. But as you've said in that red card situation, he's flown out the line, he's upright, and he's gone head-on-head with Finn Smith. Looking at it, that's exactly what they're trying to get out of the game, flying out the line, upright, and then there's a head collision because of that. And the reasons are because he's flown out the line, his body's out of control, and he's upright. That's why there's a head collision. So the grey area gets bigger and bigger then, doesn't it? And it becomes... uh, a matter of opinion to people of what is considered an accident because there's no way Duncan Taylor's thought I'm going to go and maim this guy in the head but because of his actions but that's a reckless act so but I think anyone can look at that and be like what he's done there is reckless yeah that that's what I'm saying so I, I, you look at that you'd be like well mate it's reckless where you look at Freddie Stewart or you look at Ollie Woodburn the fact that he's got a red card and Duncan Taylor have got a red card regardless of how the framework looks most people are going hey mate they're very different very, very different. There's no room for common sense. The problem with common sense is it's not very common these days, is it? So, Well, it's also as well up for debate in terms of where people are at. Like you walk into that room to unleash your fluids and liquids and you use that role to clear up the mess. It's common sense, sir. Other people use it as a weapon. So it's, <laughs> you know, there was no instructions on the wall there. So common sense, the... Didn't prevail. No, it didn't. No, the gap's very big and very sparse. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, 
file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Want to be more active this summer? Sierra helps you save on everything from swimsuits to stand-up paddle boards, tennis rackets to fishing tackle. And if that doesn't float your boat, we also have pool floats. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! The big news out of the URC this week, Springboks coach Jacques Nienaiber signing with Leinster. Yeah, didn't see that coming, to be honest. When you look at the landscape with Leinster, and again, just to remind people, so Stuart Lancaster, who what you're hearing is the main brains around what Leinster do and everything that's good. Obviously, Leo Cullen, friend of the show, is heavily involved in that, but more from a management level. So day in, day out, Stuart Lancaster is running the show at Leinster and has got a great opportunity to go to Racing 92. So I'm thinking, are they going to fill the void? Will they upgrade internally? Will they go quite low-key because they've still got a big nucleus of the management team? But then you dig a bit deep and you're like, well, they've lost Philippe Contepomi to Argentina. So they maybe are a bit thin on experience. We know that Leinster, for a number of reasons, are one of the best teams in Europe, right? Absolutely out of the blue to get Jacques Nienaiber as the man coming in who is the man in South Africa, just underneath Rassi Erasmus after the World Cup. Massive. And you read, and looking at what Leo Cullen said about it, as in that was the man that they wanted and that he wanted to come in and do that. And there's a part of me that I reckon, and this is just an opinion, I don't know, but I think Leo Cullen signed two years, might move on after that. I don't know, maybe the timing's right. Not too sure who knows what's going to happen with Ireland, but maybe it's that next evolution in Leinster that Leo moves on, Jack Nienaba comes in. Whoa, 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 whoa. Why are you moving someone out of their job in a couple of years, Jim? You're horrible. I'm just forward thinking. Horrible I'm just forward thinking, Andrew. But, I mean, were you shocked when you saw that? You've retired Chris Ashton. You're now going after Leo Cullen, our old mate, get him out of the job in a couple of years. You're horrible, Jim. But what do you mean? No. What do you mean Jack Nienaba and the way the Springboks play doesn't suit Leinster and how they play? What are you on about, Jim? Why would you say that? What do you mean horrible? Well, maybe that's what's going to get Leinster winning the Champions Cup. Maybe that's what it is. Being more direct, more of a kicking game. Boring. I mean, more of a kicking game, more route one. Tell me you were a little bit shocked to see Jacques Nienaba. Honestly, looking at it, and I've spoken to a couple of people in South Africa, Jacques Nienaba, lovely bloke, obviously is under Razi Erasmus' control a little bit still in that scenario. Maybe he is someone that has or wants to spread his wings in terms of how he sees the game from a Leinster perspective. But you're looking at South Africa and how they play, and maybe they're just playing to their strengths because they have expanded a little bit, but we know what their strengths are. Does it match up? Not necessarily. I don't think it does. Nienaba, the way he's coached the Springboks, look at the Lions, look at how Springboks played last year. It's a power game. You know, There's not much going on in terms of phase play, which is exactly how good Leinster are. So does it marry up? No. But is it an exciting appointment? They've got to find someone and they needed a big name, didn't they? Because Stuart Lancaster has had such an impact on that Leinster team, not just at the top, 
I'm talking, you read some of the stuff, you know, the assistant coaches, Robert McBride, Stuart Lancaster, you know, a few of the other guys, they're all going out and coaching at all the lower levels as well. And, you know, part of that big pyramid system that works there, looking at the schools, looking at the feeders into the Leinster academies and all that stuff. And they put in a lot of work. So maybe it does add up, you know, Springboks head coach works hard, different set of eyes on stuff to try and take them to the next level, which as you said, Jim, sometimes the question has been when they are found wanting against a big, powerful team. The Bulls beat them in the semi-final last year of the URC. La Rochelle beat them in the final of the Champions Cup last year. There's been issues against power teams. Maybe that is something that potentially, you know, you look at as a reason for signing them and bringing that experience with them as well. So I don't know how you put 15 kilos on every player, though, like the South Africans can, but it did shock me. So good, though. So good for the URC. You look at the Premiership on the other side of that, losing coaches, losing players, losing teams. With the URC, there's, I know it's Leinster, but there is a constant investment and growth. You can actually see the direction that it's going. Like teams aren't cutting back. They're like, no, let's go all in on getting coaches. Let's add. Let's add the quality of players. Let's add the quality of what we're doing. And it's a massive, it's a, it's a massive thing to get a coach of that quality, whether or not South Africa win the World Cup or not. But in terms of profile, into the URC and everything that comes with that. So from that point of view, I'm, I mean, like neutrally, I'm pumped. And the investment's paying off as well. You see the Leinster kids winning over at the Lions in South Africa and, and Munster doing well as well over there. Big shout out to Sam Prentergast as well. Bernard Jackman was talking him up when we were chatting to him as well, wasn't it? We were like, who's the next Johnny Sexton coming through? And he earmarked this lad. He did say Sam Prendergast was going to be unbelievable. Hell of a debut. Imagine going to South Africa to play against the Lions. like As in, not that they're rough, but you know, a bit of rough and tumble. Tough place to go and play. Getting on a plane. I keep talking about how hard it is getting on a plane. Everyone's like, well, <laughs> what are you talking about? A carbon footprint, you mug. Well, I probably shouldn't have said it. I probably shouldn't have said it. It's not something that bothers me. Hey, I'm looking at an electric Porsche. So maybe I am bothered about it, even though the Porsche has been made with Colbert lithium batteries, which is, again, another story about where they come from in the mines of Congo. Mm. Anyway, Sam Prendergast, more importantly. Yeah, good player. Leinster, they, they can afford to do that. They're sitting high. They're sitting jolly on 79 points. Won 16 games in the URC. Lost none. Drawn one against two. I don't know. Stormers. <laughs> Andrew, yes. Good. Me and you should go on a game show together. One of these, like... I'm great at multiple choice, by the way. <laughs> I am really good at multiple choice. It's interesting for Leinster, though, isn't it? You know, they're playing the Bulls next week in what for them is a dead rubber, as in they've already got top spot in the league. And then the week after that, they've got the Champions Cup semi-finals at home at the Aviva. So the team that is probably going to play the Champions Cup semi-finals won't have played, really, or won't have played at all since the Champions Cup quarterfinals. Just the luxuries of being a Leinster squad full of about 600 players, loads of cash, and an outstanding setup that all builds towards the national team. And of course, Munster did well over in South Africa as well, didn't they? Did well. Hell of a win. Did well. He underplayed it. Stormers, unbeaten in 19. John Dobson, big shout out to you. But Graham O'Rountree, under the radar. Under the radar, because we've not heard of him for a while. That's why. He's just getting his head down and getting to work. Massive win in the grand scheme of the top eight, the fact that Munster are now on 53 points, that top eight's probably closed off with the Sharks on 46. And Munster have had an up and down season. They've had some poor results. People questioning whether Graham O'Rountree is actually Wigsville instead. Massive win. 
you can't underplay it though. Like the Storms are unbeaten at nineteen at the Cape Town Stadium, and Munster. I commentated on their game against the Sharks a few weeks ago in the Champions Cup. They got absolutely destroyed in the heat in the second half. You know, took fifty. They've obviously recovered well, and to get that victory is huge for them. So massive tip of the slipper to Wig and all the Munster boys. Well, the Barbars are taking on the World 15 at Twickenham for the Killet Cup on the 28th of May. Guaranteed attacking rugby full of tries from two quality teams, jam-packed with loads of stars like Aaron Cruden, Simi Randrandra, Lamapi, Corabidi, Nick Phipps, Johnny May, and loads more. Tickets are only 25 quid for adults and 15 quid for kids at ticketmaster.co.uk forward slash barbarians. Speaking of World 15, lads. Should have been. Sorry, you should have so, been. No, no, I would have loved to have been. World 15. Deluded. Well, and we all deluded. No. Imagine being in a World 15. Do you honestly think you're ever close to it? I don't you know. Poor. <laughs> <laughs> Hand on heart, it depends what the World 15 meant. I don't like, as in, what, top five in your position of the world at some point, 2013, maybe. Not. <laughs> Who would make your team now? So me and Rob were going back on the WhatsApp chat and he is melting at this. Producer Rob, this is like his bread and butter in terms of like what he loves. He goes to bed thinking about his World 15. I don't, but it's important that we do now because this game is on the horizon and producer Rob wants me to go with him. And you, Andrew, I know you'll be all over it to go and watch a game of rugby. So I'm going to go with my forwards, if I may. Andrew, yeah, you go we'll start with the most important. Yeah. Start with the foundation. So I won't say what I put on the group chat to Rob, but instead of putting Cyril by at one, I put old Cyril. Just sounded better. Just sounded better. So you, Cyril by, happy with me? Shall I just run through it? You can challenge me at the end. Yeah. This is right now, by the way. This isn't like who I would want in my World 15. This is like on current form from the rugby that I've seen. And as you know, I watch a load of, yeah, I just watch rugby up here, mainly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I've had to add in a few. So some of them is historic. So I've gone old Cyril by at one. I've gone Dan Sheehan. At hooker, which you could say shout. is a good shout. Good shout, Andrew. I've got the nod of approval. All rounder, brilliant. Love this interview with Brian Driscoll as well. So maybe he's fresh in my psyche. But I've gone Dan Sheehan right now on form. All rounder, tight Ed was hard. If Winnie Antonio didn't play how he did against Saracens, I would have been thinking Tyg Furlong. Is it Lomax the All Black? Just because he's an All Black, Carl Lomax. Yeah. Yeah. I would have put him in there just because he's an All Black. But I've not. I've gone Winnie Antonio, who is not that weenie. Something might be weenie, but I don't want to talk about that. Second rows, really interesting because I went stereotypical early on. I went Ebenezer Beth, who is definitely in, mm. and Brody Retallick just because it's Brody Retallick. And I thought, you know what? No. In my mind, he isn't the form lock at the minute. I've gone Thibaut Flamont. Oh, I was going to say Big Willie, Little Willie. No, Andrew, let's do this at the end. Let's not do this now <laughs> because I'm easily changeable. Thibaut Flamont, how he played in the Six Nations and how he played for Toulouse. Better than James Ryan. The other week. I, I think he is. Right now, and there's not much in it. But we, look, we're talking World 15, Andrew, so you could put one of three. Yeah, I just, pick, I just picked a Grand Slam whenever, don't worry about it. Yeah, Flamont. <laughs> right, well, I'm breaking yours down. So I've gone Ebenezer Beth, who's injured at the minute, and he should be back for the World Cup, and Thibaut Flamont. So if it was right now, then Eben wouldn't be playing, but he's not right now. This is like dream scenario of games just played. Bat row. Again, this is going to be up for debate, but I'll just hit you with it. I've gone Kelly Mill Doris at six. I've gone Charles Olivon at seven because he looks like me. And I've gone Ardi Surveyor at eight because he screams and shouts and he's one of my favourite players. And I love his social media page as well. But in terms of how he plays the game, Bat Row is always going to be up for debate because there is a lot of players that could be in the World 15. The one I'm just going to ask you about in the Bat Row, can I do that now or not? Were you going to mention Josh van der Flair? World Player of the Year. Don't worry about that. It's a World 15. Do not pick the World Player Andrew, of the Year. Andrew, that thanks. was last year. Andrew, 
That was last year. This is right now. This is like today. He won it in December. All right, I get you. <laughs> this is mine. I'm picking the forwards. It's not ours. This is mine. So I'm going to run through my team. Old Cyril Bay at one. Dan Sheehan at two. Winnie Antonio, three. Ebenezer Sabeth, four. Thibault Flamont at five. Kelly Miel Doris at six. Charles Olivon, looks like me, at seven. And Ardi Surveyor runs like me at eight. Would have had Samasoni Takiyaho at two. Of course you would have. Uh, All Blacks are garbage at the minute, mate. He's playing well. Oh, we say that. They're coming. I, I know they're coming. He's playing well for the Chiefs. He's just signed a new contract, but yeah. Not bad, Jim. Can't believe you haven't picked Josh van der Fleer, though. World Player of the Year. Yeah, but... And you work for World Rugby. He didn't reply me DM about coming <laughs> That's on the pod, fair, so... There's a bit of history. There's a bit of history. Exactly. Thank you. Now That's you know. Fair. You've asked me out. Not I've told you straight. Not having you in now, Josh. No, exactly. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to the backs. Oh, I wonder who nine uh, is. Let me work out who nine is. Uh, we'll go. I hope we're going to go through a whole show without mentioning him. Just tell me you've put Ben White in. I don't know how he won it. He won the Six Nations Player of the Tournament when Marlon won a Grand Slam, which I don't agree with. But Dupont, obviously, best nine on the planet, without fail, starts at nine. Here's one for you that you won't agree with, James. You've written him off many times. You tried to retire in four years. Johnny Sexton at ten. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to go Andre Pollard. I was like, he's just got into form, but that's fine. Not... Sexton. Oh, I suppose he's injured the manner. So is Evan. But he got injured in the last game of the Six Nations towards the end when he'd won the Grand Slam for Ireland, playing ridiculously well. So you'd put Johnny Sexton in right now? Yes. Name me a 10 that's played better. He's just won a Grand Slam, dominated the team, captain the team. Name me a 10. Ben Russell. <laughs> Come on, mate. Ooh. Mate, he had a good game against England. Oh, don't you swear. Don't you dare. And a good game against Wales. What happened against Ireland? I don't know. I can't remember. Too long ago. <laughs> exactly. Finn for talent, yes. But as a 10, I'm a 10 that was a controlling 10. I didn't have the talents that Finn had or any anywhere near it. So I, I like a controlling 10 and Sexton has the lot. So I'm going Johnny Sexton. Centres, Lavani Bottier at 12. Oh. On form. I mean, you name me another centre. I've thought about Karevi, but he's playing in Japan, so he's taking it easy at the minute. Name me another inside centre at the minute. Well, he's been playing seven, but... He hasn't. He's been playing. Semi? Semi's been injured a lot. He plays 13. Name me a 12. The body is always at 12, Jim. He hasn't played seven for quite some time, I don't think, but... Sione Tupolotu. Hard to say that he's not... No, not bad. Good shout. But when Bottier runs at him, who's winning that collision? Well, if if you put in Bottier in, like, we can't argue. If you put him at 12, no one can argue with that. Yeah. 13, Gary Ringrose, who's just outstanding at the minute, without a shadow of a doubt. Back three is really interesting. And this is where there is a lot of debate, I'd say. Back three, uh, Cheslin Colby gets in the team. He's a legend. Uh, Peno on the other wing. Without doubt, money ball, man. Unbelievable. And then my fullbacks, I was between two. Hugo Keenan, he doesn't look like he necessarily should be a rugby player. You know, like the way he runs. I know where you're going, though. And then Thomas Ramos is the other one. Yeah. Um, Ramos is on fire. Yeah, Ramos is ridiculous at the, the minute. minute. Now, I'm going Hugo Keenan. Yeah, you've been manipulated in Copper Jacks, have, though. Mate. That's why Copper yeah, Face Jacks has taken you to a point where you're blinded by Could love. Be there in a few weeks' time as well, Jim. So, um, yeah, I'm going Irish players. Hugo Keenan at 15. Captain. Let's pick a captain. Got to be a forward. A big believer in forwards. Need to be captains to win World Cups. World 15 captain. Kayla Miel Doris. No, I'm going Ardi Surveyor because he, he did that. He did that scary movement thing, which I it actually made me feel a bit funny. That, so. <laughs> yeah, and he can do the hacker. So, like, even if they didn't need to do the hacker, he's the captain because he can stand at the front and do it and do that funny thing with his finger thumb. All right, there you go. Should we finish things off then with the good, the bad, and the ugly? 
Yeah, let's start off in the UFC. We're going to give a massive shout out to Connacht. They beat Cardiff to make it six on the spin and equal their best ever run in the league. So a big shout out to them. They've also made the playoffs this year, which is fantastic. So well done to Finley Bielham and all the Connacht boys. And they've got Scott Fardy coming as well as coach, who's a bit of a legend. Big shout out to him. Sticking with the UFC, Tom Stewart gets a huge shout out from Ulster. Uh, I know it's only against the Dragons. I'm just going to say that now. But... He's the first player to ever score back-to-back hat-tricks in the URC. And he's now broken the record for tries scored in a season in the league at 16. He scored at the minute and counting. So, obviously got next week's game. Plus, they've definitely got a quarter-final Ulster. So, uh, he could go on to get 20 tries. All from the halfway? Probably nine outs, but yeah. Ish. (laughs) Ish. It started with the halfway with a penalty kick to the corner, Jim. So, yeah, we'll say yes, effectively. Hey, details, yeah. yes. So, big shout-out to Tom Stewart. Uh, Monster, get a shout-out as well. We just spoke about them before in the URC. 26-24 winners at the Stormers, who were unbeaten in 19 home league games. So, massive shout-out to Graham O'Rountree. And, yeah, outstanding work. Bath, going to get a shout-out. We didn't really cover them in the Premiership review, because who cares about the bottom of the league. But they got a good win at their West Country rivals in that derby, beating Gloucester. At King's Home. The Sharks of Sale, not of Durban, the Sharks of Sale get a shout out in the goo this week. Big win at Bristol, 36 points to 20 to secure a semi final spot and nearly a home one. They probably will end up with a home semi final. So, massive shout out to the Sharks boys. Ben Whitehouse, he's getting a shout out this week, Jim. What happened? People might see this, might not have seen it, but he penalised Oxen Che for basically feigning an injury to try and get the TMO to look at a high shot. So, Ben Whitehouse. Oxenchay said, oh, yeah, sir, you need to look at this. I'm injured. And Ben Whitehouse has looked at Oxenchay and said, are you feigning injury to try and get me to look at the TMO on a tackle? And he's like, well, yeah. And he's like, penalty against you. Get back 10. So, uh, <laughs> Well, I'd give it to Oxenchay for honesty. <laughs> no? Well, I'm giving it to Ben Whitehouse for trying to get diving out of the game and, and feigning injury. So big shout out to Ben Whitehouse for that. Ben Youngs gets a mention of the good this week. Came off the bench for Leicester and played his 300th game for the club. He joins an illustrious group of players. I think there's about 36, 37 of them now that have played 300 games for Leicester Tigers. So massive shout-out to Ben Young's one club man. You think about his stats, he's got 100... How many caps are England now? 119, is it? A lot of cash in the bank. That's how... Well, that's me looking at, yeah. But I'm talking 300 games for Tigers, 119. It's a lot. Yeah, that's 419 games without all the other ones that don't get counted as well. So, uh, yeah, massive shout-out to Ben Young's. Hell of a career so far with plenty to still go on it. But the good this week has to go to the lovable rogue, Chris Ashton. Uh, scored a hat-trick against Exeter to raise the bat and get 100 tries for himself in the Premiership. He scored his 99th, his 100th and his 101st tries in the Premiership. Did a content poem celebration. Who was at Leicester as well? Why was he at Leicester? Is he going to be a part of the coaching team next year? Who knows? Well, you know. Clearly. If you, so you bring it up, well, you I was know. Buy, I don't know anything, but he was sat next to Andrea Pynchon, okay, cool. who is the CEO at Leicester. And on the other side of Andrea Pynchon was Dan McKellar, the new head coach from next season. So I don't know what you're on about, but it wasn't me. Anyway, Chris Ashton, 99th, 100th and 101st Premiership tries to raise the bat, get over a ton. Congrats to Chris Ashton. You win the good this week. The bad, few bits of bad. Talking about the Leicester game, let's start off with Exeter taking 62 points at Tigers, an absolute hosing. Not great by them. They stay in the West Country, but move up a bit. We'll go to Bristol's. They got dominated at home by the Sharks. They were pretty toothless at times, and they were in the last chance saloon to try and make the playoffs. So um, not a good performance by Bristol. And interestingly, our podcast got quoted to Pat Lamb because we said there were big issues there. A lot of players leaving. 
a bit of uh, unhappiness around the group and um, pretty much showed it in the performance, didn't it, Jim? Did they not look up for it? Pat Lamb denied that there was any issues, but yeah. Anyway, there we go. We'll move on. Mentioned it before, Oxen Che feigning injury to get a TMO to look at a hit. Then White House penalised him, so that goes in the bad. Lost to get a mention in the bad this week. 17-0 up against Bath at home. They end up losing the game. They're now sitting ninth in the Premiership and they have lost eight out of their last 10 games in 2023. So not a good set of results from Gloucester. Uh, moving on, Montpellier in the top 14. They lost at home to Cast, 28 points to 19 and now dropped to ninth and probably won't make the playoffs in the top 14. They've gone from champions to not making the playoffs. They're eight points behind sixth place. So uh, they're pretty much gone for this season. Breathe. Get a mention of the bad as well. They lost at home to Stabfront, so they're now eight points behind Perpignan in 13th place. Brief bottom of the league. They've got four games to go, but they play Poo at home this weekend. So there is a bit of hope for them. If they lose to Poo, they're gone though, Jim, uh, in the basement battle. But the bad this week has to go to Zebra, who lost 78-12 at the Bulls. The most points ever conceded in a URC game. And Zebra are now played 17 Lost 17, so absolutely woeful. And that's why they get the bad this week. Ugly. A couple of bits of ugly. We're going to start off with Payula for Asa Lele, who is the back row at Perpignan. He had a high shot on uh, Milan Rabbit in Perpignan's defeat at Toulon. But the ugly this week goes to Duncan Taylor of Saracens for flying out the line, upright, out of control, and causing a head-on-head collision, big collision, head-on-head with Finn Smith. Rightfully got a red card. What I am going to say... And I say it again, if he's getting sent off for a red card, Duncan Taylor, which is right, why doesn't Finn Smith go off for a HIA? That's what rugby needs to look at. Both sides of the ball, you need to sort the HIAs out. Thanks, Scooty. And you guys have got a couple of shout-outs to finish off with, don't you? Yeah, first one from me. We've got a shout-out to Cobham Rugby Club. They're visiting Jamaica, of all places. They did dinner recently. Yeah, did you? Well, lunch, actually, in London. Wow, mate. Good crew. There you go, Mr. Raider shitload, because they're off to Jamaica and it's not cheap to get to. But it's in order to inspire grassroots rugby in schools and there's 26 touring players and they're visiting two of Jamaica's leading rugby schools. And listen to this, the two names of the schools they're visiting, York Castle and Aberbuthnot. Is that right, Andrew? Aberbuthnot. Aberbuthnot, that's what I said. Gallimore High to deliver over £3,000 worth of kit. So a big hand needs to go to you and enjoy Jamaica. Yeah, big shout out to the Cobham boys doing their lunch. Good good fun, those boys, back in November time. A massive shout out as well to New Milton Under-11s. They're on their first ever rugby tour on the 21st to the 23rd of April to Exmouth, playing against Exmouth Cockles RFC. I used to go on holiday to Exmouth a lot, Exmouth Beach. Used to stay in a place called Woodbury. Very nice part of the world. Their tour includes beach training sessions on Saturday. Well, I used to go to the beach there, so you'll definitely see some of my footprints on that beach, lads. Plus, they're going to watch Exeter Chiefs against the Bristol Bears and a kangaroo court for the parents. So good luck to everyone at New Milton Rugby Club. Got a shout out to Stephen Palmer of Bury RFC. On Saturday, 15th of April, he started the most ridiculous of challenges. He's running 15 marathons in 15 days plus 90 kilometres on the bike every day afterwards. What the smokes? Anyway, you can follow his journey on Facebook and search Challenge Britain 2023, and donations can be made to a great cause in cancer research. And if you go to cancerresearchuk.org and you search for Forest365, that's where you'll find him doing an amazing thing. Yeah, definitely. Last shout-out for me, uh, a huge one to Loughborough Uni and Exeter Uni, as they're going head-to-head this week in the Bucks Super Rugby Championship at the Stonex Stadium. Uh, Exeter are looking for back-to-back championships, but my old boys, Loughborough, 
They finish top of the regular season. Tickets are only £5. Kickoff is at 7pm on Wednesday. And it's had some unbelievable players come out of the uni system. So Don Brandt, Kenningham, Negri and Tom Lauday, they've all played in this. Big shout out to Loughborough Uni. Hope you win it, lads. Do it for the old alumni. Right, I've got another one coming. So I will finish this segment. And it's a final shout out to Mucky Duck Sevens at the Winchester RFC on the 22nd of April. There are three competitions, men's open, women's comp and men's social, which sounds more down our street, Andrew, the men's social. And it's a family-focused day with loads of free kids' activities, great food. There's drinking stalls, Andrew, for you. Let's go. Yeah, oh, I'm happy to go to them as well. And awesome rugby for you, Andy Rowe. You love your ruggers. Love my ruggers. And producer Rob does as well. So check it out if you're down that way. And it's Winchester RFC. Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Gertie. Thanks, Producer Rob, and thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on social media. We're giving away some tickets to Quinns v Bath this weekend as well, and make sure you're following us on Spotify. Rugby spot. Uh-huh.